Good morning podcast, I'm Pierre, your host, and today I have for you a new episode with an awesome guest. His name is Michael Yamashita. Michael is National Geographic that has been around for way longer than me and that is why this episode is awesome because as you might have realized, most of my guests so far has been, I would say, in the same age range. But Michael is one of those photographers that inspired us when we were kids and that is the awesome part. He is a National Geographic travel photographer, he's been specializing in Asia and he retraced the Marco Polo route. It's such an honor to be sitting down with Michael and being able to dive a little bit into his stories and how he approaches photography because that's something that I feel is a little bit missing lately is being able to access photographers who have been at it for way, 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 way longer than me and see how they perceive the world, how they perceive storytelling and what really makes them tick. So in this episode, we're going to be digging into a bunch of cool stuff like why Afghanistan was the most impactful country he ever visited, what are his thoughts on creating versus capturing, how he got started, and I love his story, like how he got started into photography, how did he like sign up with National Geography and also we'll be digging into why an area of expertise is something very important for you as a photographer. So without any further ado, make sure you go check out Michael Yamashita on Instagram at Yamashita Photo. That way you can have a little bit of insight into his word. It's Y-A-M-A-S-H-I-T-A-P-H-O-T-O. I think you can spell photo, but who knows? Anyway, let's get started. Let's welcome Michael to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Thank you. It's an honor to have you here. And uh, I would love for you to tell me okay. what is your most memorable photo oh, geez. and the story behind it. That's really hard to uh, bring it down to just one in my 40-year career. So... Uh, you know, I only th I could tell you in terms of uh, stories which ones had the most impact. I've done over thirty stories for National Geographic, and certainly the one that kind of raised my profile was Marco Polo, which, um, as you know, may know the route. It started in Venice, and I was able to do it in nineteen ninety nine to two thousand. One, it took about three years, and we, um, I traveled from Venice to China via Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Iran, Iraq, uh, Vietnam. Uh, anyway, did did the whole Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, then China, then coming back to Vietnam and South China Sea, all the Southeast Asian countries, and... Uh, Indian Ocean. Anyway, it was epic and long, and uh, it ran three uh, different issues in the magazine. Ran yeah. over 80 pages, and at the time, that was a big deal. And it became a book, and a documentary, and all of that. And so, from all that hoopla, I kind of, uh, which is what is everybody hopes is going to happen, is your story turns into something much bigger and that's yeah. what happened to me and kind of elevated me to another level which we're all as professionals seeking yeah. to each step of the way going going up another level so 
Nice. That's it. I won't describe a particular picture, but if anybody's interested, they yeah. can go check out the Geographic or any of my books. I have quite a few. Yeah. Uh, on Asian topics, which is my area of interest and expertise. Love it. How long was that trip? Uh, well, I, you know, the, the geographic in those days uh, was quite flush in terms of uh, resources. And so, yeah, it took me, uh, I think I had my first contract was uh, about a year, and then I ended up spending another year um, doing the South China South, mm -hmm. the route going back. We, we, we took a year plus to get him to travel the overland route. And then oh, wow. after the editors saw the pictures, we said, well, let's take them back on the, uh, <laughs> on the sea routes, which we did. And that took another year or so. And oh, then, wow. and you then, traveled by sea also then? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What, was it like a sailboat? Like a, no, no, already it was very difficult to find, uh, tr you know, you're doing one of these stories, you're trying very much to make pictures that uh, evoke mm -hmm. the uh, time of Marco Polo, which in this case was uh, 13th century. Yeah. And uh, however to find sailboats yeah. uh, you know, is not easy to to do. Yeah. Uh, Chinese junks, of course, had sails, and we uh, took a few of them, but very far and few in between. Arab dhows, yeah. no more in existence. So even back then, very little having to do with sail. But. I imagine. Was there um, either a place or a country that, that struck you the most during that tour? or? Oh, yeah, it was Afghanistan. Afghanistan? Yeah. What, this, what, this what year in, was it then? Uh, 2000, just before 9-11. Oh, 9 2000. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, the, uh, the thing, of course, Afghanistan was uh, just uh, totally destroyed. Yeah. There was no uh, infrastructure was totally destroyed. There were no cars. Well, there were a few cars. We got one of them, a tr uh, Toyota truck. Um, and... Uh, The interesting part, of course, was it was like uh, being back in the 13th century. There's no electricity. Uh, everybody was traveling by horse cart. Uh, roads were a mess. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you live in a country with no electricity, yeah. you, it's, it takes you back to the Dark Ages. So. Yeah, that's crazy. So, and that was in 2000? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, between the... Well, this is before the invasion of Afghanistan and the death of Massoud. Yeah. Massoud was the leader of the Northern Alliance, and he he was uh, he helped us. Yeah. Uh, not only get in, but the more difficult part was getting out of Afghanistan. So, I mean, it's a long story. I could go into. Yeah. You know, we. That should be a full episode, just the yeah. <laughs> Afghanistan story. Yeah, but Afghanistan cert certainly because people basically, it was, here, I, this kind of story, I'm looking for pictures, as, as I say, that uh, evoke a feeling of what it was like yeah. when Marco Polo was traveling and 700 years ago. So Afghanistan was natural in that everything yeah. was very much similar. Yeah. <laughs> 
to when he traveled. Much, yeah. It hadn't changed at all as far as, you know, the, well, of course it's changed, but uh, anyway, it was, um, it was the most, um, you know, it was the most interesting as far as the photographs are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how would you, um, when you were there, and obviously I don't think people would see many foreigners pass by. No, uh, in fact, uh, I was there with Mike Edwards, a geographic writer, and we were obviously very, yeah. uh, could stand out because, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we were it. We weren't working, wearing the, yeah. uh, that, the native dress, of course, and uh, we had... Um, Uh, we were driving in a government, well, a, a truck that was given to us by Masood yeah. with a uh, big bunch of jerry cans of gas and then guards with AK-47s riding in the back. Oh, well. so, uh, Oh, you had guards at the time? Oh, right. yeah. yeah. There, well, the Civil War was going on. Masood yeah. was fighting the Taliban. Yeah. Um, I photographed him going into battle, and uh, he basically gave us a letter that gave us safe passage across this territory that he was in control of, which was fortunately the yeah. northern uh, part of Afghanistan, and that was our, our, that was the Marco Polo route. Oh, interesting. And how were people, were they receptive to being taken yes. photos of? Yeah, Yeah. well, again, it was, it's nice to be in a place where You know, people are not, certainly there were yeah. no tourists, and the, there weren't many people carrying cameras. So, yeah. you know, I had free yeah. reign to Everyone gets shoot excited, away. yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, can, can you take us a little bit further back and tell us about your, your background story? What's the original story? While we were walking together, you, yeah. you shared uh, interesting. Okay, things. well, I uh, was an avid amateur who, you know, against all odds, I guess. Uh, ended up working for the Geographic. So I, I like to say to my uh, am, am friends, photographer friends, followers, and photo workshops that I, I am their best dream in that I was a wannabe photographer who um, developed his skills without going to schools or mm -hmm. taking classes in any way. Um, just eat, eat, sleep, and drink, drank photography, so, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, became a, a photographer um, for the geographic, partly for my uh, interest and concentration on Asia, where right. I had been living for four years before I became a photographer, and was living in Japan, and they, of course, make great cameras, and I bought a yeah. bunch of cameras and got hooked on uh, photography and uh, traveled widely in Asia, Lived, ended up living four years in Japan and then hung out my shingle and went to the geographic and pretty immediately got work. But, That's awesome. Yeah. Did you, did you, how, how did the process look like? Did, at the time, did you walk in and be oh, like, hey guys, I'm from Well, you had I'm to have some introduction and I, you know, was... I was living and based in New York, so yeah. I was taking my portfolio around and I ran into some people who had contacts with the Geographic and they introduced me to a couple of the photographers who uh, then introduced me to the director of photography, Bob Kilka at the time, who is uh, 
was a legend in in photography in photography everywhere and especially noted for finding young talent mm -hmm. and um, he um, basically had a feeling that, you know again you have to start somewhere yeah. and you're you're showing pictures that you took in the past and you're asking a client to f fund you to yeah. go out and shoot pictures in the future and you know you have to it's a leap of faith so uh, a young person with very little experience uh, I was able to uh, he had confidence and faith and somehow I got the jobs that's that's great so yeah that's someone and it, uh, and it was in Japan which was my strongest uh, suit to uh, yeah. to work in Japan and it was a success and I never looked back I must say before then I was also living in Singapore and I did get uh, uh, a lot of work yeah. uh, as a photographer in Singapore. Yeah, but I was living my dream, traveling, um, uh, living in in several countries, but mostly Singapore and Asia, and uh, got my first chances there. Got it. Do, what 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 for you makes a, I would say like a great photo, even through your work or other people's work. Well, in photojournalism, it's about impact. Yeah, uh, you get, it's storytelling, and uh, the especially now, almost all stories are you know you don't see multi-picture spreads. You see one picture, mm -hmm. and so that picture has to be not just uh, grab your attention, but it has to have a lot of information in it. So this is this this is today's photojournalism. It's down to single picture spreads yeah. and uh, if there's anything that I can do well it's uh, spreads I'm not yeah. I don't I'm not very much good at shooting vertical even <laughs> but uh, anyway it's it's uh, yeah you need photos with impact is yeah. what I say page stoppers so somebody's reading the magazine and flipping pages as we all do and um, a picture just grabs uh, the reader's attention and uh, the reader is just compelled to stare at it and maybe read the caption yeah and the caption at least in the geographic is designed to get that reader to uh, maybe read the story <laughs> since again in instant information so many people just are looking at the photographs so. yeah do, do you um when, when you're on the field and you're taking a photo do you do you have a sense of how good the photo is going to be just by when you click it yes yeah. especially now now i uh you know spent most of my career shooting film where yeah. you didn't know what was on the film but yeah. you had a good idea if, if you had something yeah. good but and now, of course, you can check the finder. Yeah, you just check now this. But you, I don't. When I'm shooting, I, I uh, other than making sure that you know I'm on, uh, I have a well exposed and sharp photograph. Yeah. I turn off the preview button yeah. because if you're looking at the subject on the back of your screen, you're missing what's going on in front of the screen, and it's what's up 
going to happen yeah. that's more important you already got that picture who do you care yeah you know you can't do anything about that one you're waiting for the next one and you're waiting to see the moment and if you're checking that back screen which i notice many young photographers uh, are doing uh, as part of their workflow they're always checking the back screen well they are missing what's up front <laughs> So that's that that's, is very true that's uh i actually and that's a lesson from film yeah i think i made a whole video on that uh -huh. just on that because i like you i would see a lot of photographers they just every photo like every single photo they would check in and, and i told them you you got to be confident at what you should yeah and if you're not just put in an auto the camera will do a better job than you Absolutely. sometimes yeah. um sp speaking of that uh how important um, especially nowadays versus film days, how important do you think like the camera and the settings are in in a photo? Well, I think you still have to know uh, what an f-stop is and a shutter speed. But I tell uh, my students in workshops to put it on uh, automatic. Yeah, because the cameras are so good that they uh, it's fairly i mean the the amount number of pictures you're going to throw away or delete yeah. are are few because the exposure and the uh everything is so um, accurate yeah and these new cameras 15 stop uh, <laughs> dynamic range that's ridiculous you don't need a strobe you, anymore you can make so many mistakes you can't even shoot a, a silhouette anymore because there's detail in the shadow it's it's incredible so um yeah trust the camera is what i tell them yeah um i'm going to be mindful because we we have to to run away to to a workshop but i i had one last question which would be how, how do you see the evolution of travel photography um, especially nowadays in the past five years, it's been absolutely insane with what happened with social media and everything. I've seen it just dipping my toes nowadays. I see how quickly it's changing. What's, what's your take on it right now? Well, I don't see, uh, it's very difficult for a, so a travel photographer to make a living. First of all, the outlets are few. Second of yeah. all, they don't have to pay. Yeah. There's just too much out there. And, and, you know, if you want a picture of, of, uh, of this place in Oregon where we are, you know, there's, you can get it by the minute. You yeah. know, you just, uh, it's never been easier to find great photography on every subject in the world because there's thousands of amateurs uh, who uh, are now asking for money, uh, willing to put their pictures up so that they can be seen. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the, you know the magazines or what what's left or the outlets for social yeah for um uh, travel stuff is there's no market for it yeah so yeah very difficult for uh young photographers to to make a living and i think if there's any uh, your best portfolio is instagram got it yeah. and uh because again you've got the art directors and editors looking at Instagram, looking mm -hmm. for pictures all the time. And, yeah. And uh, so if you stand out that what few jobs there are out there, uh, you might be, you know, up for one of them because of what they see, uh, what you shoot on Instagram. 
and also your specialty, whatever that may be. You know, yeah. in my case, it's geographic. So I shoot uh, 95% on Asia, which is um, my choice for where I shoot. Yeah. yeah. That's, so it's good to have an area of expertise, like, um, or like a, a spot. You still yeah. need to know what a shutter speed and an f-stop yeah. can do for you, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, for the camera, yeah, yeah I use autofocus, auto exposure, uh, auto ISO. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to, I mean, it's not like I put it on P or A yeah. and let it do what it wants, I still have control at least over shutter speeds and f-stops, but anyway. Yeah. It's not the technical anymore, it's your vision. Yeah. And uh, that's what you should be working on is uh, the the technical side of photography is, is not that important anymore. It's about how you see and what you're focusing on. That's, that's great. Do you have any creative exercise or suggestion that we can leave people with? Um, that maybe because I, I don't know if you get a lot of questions, but I, I get a lot of questions from people who are, they have their normal job, they just love photography. And when you shoot always the same place, you just get bored sometimes. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I love photography, but I don't have inspiration. I, I'm bored. Or would you have any tip what they can do maybe this weekend? Oh, uh, my gosh. Well, you know, there's a lot of pictures out there, and uh, I don't care where you live. I mean, in my own little backyard, I have a place in the city, and I have a place in, in uh, New Jersey, in the country, and I'm always carrying that camera and looking for a picture, whether it's um, shooting the family yeah. or, you know, it's beautiful light, so I'm up early, so I go up to the roof of the apartment looking for a picture you know, snow, unusual weather conditions. I think there's a lot to shoot just around your your house. You just, again, use your eyes and, yeah. and, and find something. Uh, try a different lens. Try something long or super wide and try and uh, see how it might change your vision. Yeah. But uh, I think, yeah, carry the camera all the time. That's, I like that. I like what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we can leave everyone with that. And right. we're going to run away yeah. to a workshop. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much, Michael. Yeah. I'd love nice to, to dig in the future to, into your Afghanistan story, but that's going to be a long one. Thank you so much, Michael, All for right. your time. Wow, guys, thank you so much for listening that far to the podcast. I hope you have enjoyed that episode. Michael has been awesome to talk to. I love being able to hear all the stories he had, hear how the photography world completely changed over time and what he thinks a little bit about what's happening nowadays and how we can still be telling better stories. And uh, is there still a place for travel photography? Well, I think we'll have to do a follow-up episode. If you have any questions, make sure you hit me up on Instagram at Pieti Lambert and on Twitter. If you like that episode, share it with your dog, your cat, as usual, because, I mean, they must be pretty well educated by now. And also all your friends and everyone around you that you feel could benefit from it. Maybe your Instagram stories. Who knows? Anyway, guys, get out there. Go shoot. Try something different. Try something new. Check out Michael on Instagram and everywhere on the web. And I will talk to you in the next episode. See ya.